This is the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. Advice and opinions expressed during the program are solely that of the hosts or guests and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. There's no such thing as no maintenance when it comes to your home. That's why we bring you the Fix-It Show from 7 to 9 every Saturday. Get your questions ready for our expert home inspector, David Nason from Best Inspections. Here he is with his co-host, Dayton Kane. It's the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. We are sponsored by Siding Unlimited and J&B Construction, as always. We thank them for being partners on the show. Uh, next hour, Jason Fox from Capital Heating, Cooling, and Electric on with us, but this hour, an open hour. Good morning, David. How are you? I'm great. Okay, yeah. good. Yes, it's, I saw some daylight on the way in this morning. Yeah, you came we're, in later than me. I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, so we're, we're past that hurdle where it's It's starting dark. to get light yeah, again. So the moon was amazing. Oh, my that gosh. Well. It was beautiful. So uh, welcome to the show. Yes. Uh, crazy week for you, it sounds like. You did well, a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, a busy week. Uh, actually, so I think a fun week for me. Um, so I did some home inspections. That's primarily what I do. I'm also a certified EFS. That's the exterior insulation finish system, kind of like stucco. Right. And I did one. Um, actually, I'm certified EFS inspector, certified stone veneer inspector, building envelope. So I did a stone veneer inspection on Monday okay. when it was really cold. Uh, oh, so, yeah. you know, I actually go out around the house and everything went back into my car. And the biggest thing there is is uh, keeping my equipment warm. Right. So I use a moisture meter when I'm probing for moisture. And so I had to keep that warm. So... Uh, but that was that was fun. Um, I did a uh, condo inspection. I was also uh, in a deposition for a legal case that I'm involved in. I can't really speak. You weren't to. a plaintiff or a defendant. No, you were I, helping judge it, right? So I'm hired. Okay, as just the, make that clear. Like, correct. I'm hired as the expert okay. on, on the plaintiff's um, right. side for that. So that's in. I don't know you. You know you you try to prepare and things, but you never come out of those feeling. Good, right? And right. the reason is, is that the opposing counsel is asking you all all types of questions and things, and they're trying to poke holes in your, uh, my, you know, my not testimony, but my report that I provided and sure. things. And so, uh, but the uh, the plaintiff's counsel said I did pretty well. So, huh? so that was. And then on Tuesday, I uh, Tuesday afternoon, I I. Um, uh, I didn't participate, but uh, I watched a live stream of a uh, present two presentations done by Joe Steebrook. And if you have any interest at all in building science, home science, um, I look to Tom Faza as my mentor for home inspections. Uh, another guy out in Iowa, Mark Parley, for this Eves and Stone veneer. Those are kind of the my mentors, gurus, kind of thing. But if you want to know about building science, how houses operate, uh, moisture, th- intrusion, insulation, all this kind of stuff, Joe Stebrook is the man, and he's uh, the principal with a company called Building Science uh, Corporation out east, and he put two, on two presentations at the Ashy Inspection World. I really wanted to go to that, but I didn't make it out there. Tom Faza actually made two presentations on Monday out at that presentation. Oh, nice. But um, so that was really great. So yeah, just a whole lot of different stuff this week. Um, so 
So that kind of ties in because I am interested in what you were just mentioning because I took that tool home that yeah, you brought talked, in last we week. We last never week. actually talked about it. We yeah. teased it. So we're going to talk about that. But I, I have questions that kind of relate to what I found when I used that. So when we come back from the break, we're going to bring out that, that piece of equipment, talk about what it does. Sure. I'm going to talk about what I found at my house and see if you have solutions based on this presentation you just yeah. watched. So it all ties yeah. in perfectly. Yeah. How about your week? Uh, my week was great. Um, things are starting to pick up again in the outdoor remodeling world. You sure. know, January, December, January, always a little slow. Now it's starting to pick up again as far as people calling and wanting yeah. to get estimates and find out how they can fix their cold windows, their right. drafty windows and we, doors. We might not have this snow by the end of the next week. Yeah, it's supposed to be in the 40s, 40s again next rain. week. It's yeah. crazy. But uh, so it was a good week. And uh, did a lot of fun stuff too with the family. And it, it was always good. So good. Uh, I did watch a couple seminars as well. So if we can bring that in as well. So we'd love to hear from you too this hour. Like I said, no guests on, just us. The old National Bank talking tax line, 855-616-1620. If you have questions about anything on your house, we could probably answer them and we'd love to help mm -hmm. you out. Old National Bank, get old. It is the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. The Fix-It Show with Dayton Kane and David Nason on WTMJ. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. It is The Fiction Show. Dayton Kane and David Nason here. We're going to see a high of 36 today, believe yeah. it or not, after awesome. how cold it was yesterday. Currently sitting at 13. We actually warmed up over the course of the night, which was nice. Uh, looking forward to... When, when 36 looks good, that's... We're, we're Wisconsinites, right? It's part of what we do. Right. So you talked about the fact that you watched Joe Stebrook. Yes. And learned about some insulation and breathing of a house and how that works. And uh, tell people what you're holding in your hand right now. It's called a FLIR camera. FLIR, FLIR, uh, F-L-I-R. It's an infrared camera. And, and it's a nice one. Yes. So I, I went online. I was going to look at possibly just buying one for myself. <laughs> yeah. You can get like a cheapy app version for like a yeah. hundred bucks, but then they go up to like four thousand, five thousand yeah. dollars for these things. This one is in that range. Yeah, it's nice. Um, it's, so this is a professional one that uh, a friend of mine. Uh, I worked with him briefly. His name's Kevin By. He owns a company called By and By Restoration. So good company if you're looking for some water fire restoration. As a he's a like a general contractor guy. Okay. So uh, thank you, Kevin, for letting me borrow this. Um, yeah, thanks, Kevin. <laughs> It's, it's it's a really, thermal imaging unit, right? Right. So you you point it at the wall or whatever you want to look at, and you can see all the temperature gradients in it. The colors indicate a temperature. There's a basically a thermos, uh, not a thermostat, but a temperature guide on the edge that show what the colors color gradient means. And the industry professionals say, and I've thought about doing this is a, about going. First of all, it's a big investment to right. get one. But if you're going to make that kind of investment in buying one, you really need to also take a training class sure. and understand completely how to use it. Now, here, we, you know, you're probably looking it up on online or whatever and looking at the instructions on how to use it and things. But there's uh, there's there's a proper way of using it and such. And also what I was going to mention, we were talking off the air about you know, all these blue spots, which would tend to indicate a, um, a colder area. But it, you got to keep in mind that it's that it's a relative sure. scale. Sure. So if something's showing up as red, it, oh, well, that's hot, and it's blue, it's that's cold. Well, the temperature difference only here is only ten degrees difference. Right. That we're showing at least on on the one. But it does kind of show where things are escaping, where cold sure. air is coming in, or hot air is going out. Right. Or... Well, but you know, 
uh, so one here is a heat vent. Well, there yeah, you would expect there, that to be hot. <laughs> and then there's a light fixture. Yeah. You would expect that to be hot as well. So yeah. that's what I was saying. Is that he, that's why um, people You need ask, to know what you're looking exactly, at, for sure. Exactly. People ask me sometimes, do I do... Do I have an infrared camera? Do I use it during a home inspection? And that's where that is using an infrared camera is way beyond the standard for a home inspection. Sure. That's not something we, I know some inspectors do it. And if they've gone out and gotten the training and do it correctly, great. I know also some people use it or provide it as a, an additional add-on service. I'm going to do your home inspection for X dollars. If you want me to use an infrared camera, there's an additional cost sure. for that. So sure. that's the way I would do it if I'm if I'm going to do it at some point. Can't and you also have focus on energy? Don't they come out and do these things for a few so hundred bucks? Home energy audits yeah. generally will include using an infrared camera or a blower door test or other things. So there's there's a lot. So there's there's a number of people that do use these regularly sure. in their business, um, and so. I I just haven't gotten into it yet. But so interesting things that I found in my house, and yeah. it, it does work because I knew where there were cold, where there was cold air coming. Sure. In. Like you can just feel certain places in our house, and that's you know that's flagging it, and you right. can see exactly where you feel that cold. You can see it, so it does work. Um, so I have questions on how I can mitigate some of these problem areas. So one of them obviously is the fireplace. If if you look at the fireplace, yeah. cold air is coming in through that fireplace. If I'm not using my fireplace, what would be a solution to keep that cold air from coming in that wouldn't damage anything? When you say not using it, are you saying in between fires or not using it? Because we don't use it at all. You don't use it at all. Right. So uh, definitely, Besides tearing it out completely. Yeah, definitely <laughs> keep the damper closed Yeah. for one thing. I, I know a lot of times I'll see what's called a flu top damper. In on a fireplace, and that's usually installed when the damper right above the firebox gets okay. damaged. In, on an older house, the the it's cast iron, and if that's for, what we have for yeah. a lot of times or a lot of years, it was very common for fireplace chimneys to not have anything on the top of the chimney. Sure. It's just an open flue. Well, a lot of water and snow goes down in there, and, you, and then you see all the staining and rust and everything, and these rust out. So now when it it's really expensive to try to go in there and fix the damper right above the above the firebox. So they put a flue top damper on. Okay. It's on a spring and a cable. They run a cable down the flue, and then you have an operator inside the firebox where you pull this cable down or a lever down, and it pulls that flue top damper down, and it seals it on the top of the flue. Okay. Kind of, I'm not a fireplace. We could ask uh, Larry from... Uh, sure. Um, Chimney concepts, his opinion on it, but um, to me, it seems like that would seal up your flu a lot better. Right, it's kind of like not even let the air down. Exactly. Yep. So instead of closing your damper, then you know the chimney flue is all going to be full of cold air, and so might as well seal it up at the top. So you could look at doing that if you're if you're thinking, well, okay, we're not going to be using this for years. We're going to put that project off to do some right. repairs if you need to or something. To have a, a, a flu top damper, or maybe you could just secure something up at the top. Sure, if we um, know we're not going to use it, just yeah. don't block off the part where the furnace is venting. Exactly, because we don't want to do that. Make sure this is just for the fireplace, right? That you're you're blocking off. Uh, so the other thing I've seen is this like balloon you can blow up in the fireplace. Have right. you ever seen those? Have I, you, anybody I have. you know it's, use it's, those? It's literally like an inner tube. 
Yeah, and you, you stick it up in it there, up. and then you pump it up with a compressor. Same thing. I think most people are probably putting it in right above the firebox. If you can safely get to the top of your roof, I would consider putting it up near On the top. top. Hmm. Again, for the okay. same reason we talked about the, the flu top damper, you're stopping the air from coming down the flue the fir- to begin you know, with and, yeah. and just keep that flue because that, that flue, that chimney is going all the way down inside your house. Yep. Well, if cold air is getting down in there that all that, if it's a masonry chimney, it's right in the middle of our house too. It's so just it's- turning cold <laughs> and it's just giving long, you know, it's a cold yeah. hunk of masonry that's, you know, in your house. All right. A couple more problem spots we can talk through. We'd love to hear from you as well. Our phone number is 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. You can text that or you can call it. It is the Fix-It Show with David and Dayton on WTMJ. WTMJ's The Fix-It Show with David Nason and Dayton Kane. Since we're hitting like in the 40s again this week, think about this. 59 days away from Brewers opening day. Let's start thinking summer. Let's get past this all. Yeah. All right, Isaac, thank you for being in the studio. He's waiting for your calls. You can get him on the old National Bank talking text line at 855-616-1620. I'm Dayton, David Nason here from Best Inspections, of course. Uh, So let's talk about a couple of these thermal images that I found. And I knew that I have cold air coming in under my sink in the kitchen. You can just feel it when you open those doors. It's freezing underneath there. And in our master bedroom, our closet is like a half walk-in closet always freezing when we open the doors to that. So I knew those were going to be problem areas. Mm-hmm. So my question to you, because I'm not an insulation expert by any means, and I haven't seen as many homes as you have, can I insulate those from the inside with like a one-inch foam board up against the wall? Or is that going to trap things where I don't want to trap things? Which Correct. is what I'm guessing. Yes. Okay. So we typically don't insulate over the drywall, you know, drywall plaster, or the interior okay. walls. You're, because it'll trap you're, moisture? You're going to create another okay. moisture barrier right. there, um, especially with what you're talking about, a one-inch foam-type product or two-inch foam. The surface of those generally, uh, you have to look at them. It probably says on them, but they have every anything that we put on the outside of our house has a perm rating, Yep, Tyvek, siding, green guard, Means it lets it, it breathe. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, and and foam insulation has a fairly, I'm probably going to get this wrong. I can't remember. A fairly low perm rating, meaning it doesn't allow much to breathe through it. Okay. It's one of those inverse things, like <laughs> right. R value and U value. And I'm trying to remember which R value is a higher number, U value is a lower number, but they're inverse. Um, so, same thing with. With a perm rating, I bet so, our guest next hour will be able to answer that he, question. He might be able Jason to. Fox from Capital yeah. Heating. Yeah. So, so anyways, you you want something that allows it to breathe, and so yes, I think if you're going to put something on the interior wall, you're going to you're going to cause a problem. So, we we're talking about exterior wall insulation, and depending on what you have for siding on the outside of the house, and vinyl siding is easier to take off than some sidings. Right. Uh, I remember years ago, I resided my house. Uh, I put vinyl siding on. This was 20 years ago almost. And as I pulled the old wood siding off, I could see all the holes that were drilled into my house where they put a product called Dense Pack. Okay. So it's basically like a-, a dense uh, cellulose oh, product. Okay. And so they they would drill a three-inch hole, basically, two-and-a-half, three-inch hole in the wall cavities and under windows and everything. And then they just blow this Dense Pack product in there. So they're essentially insulating from the outside. So 
that that would be the method I need, right? Or as other people have talked about, and Joe Steebrook talks about, he loves this is putting insulation on the outside of your house over the stud walls. So you're you're spanning the entire surface. We do that when we put it on siding, right? And so that's that's the best thing to do because that seals it before it even gets anywhere, right? And and it's usually easier to deal with because in the inside of your house, you're dealing if you start to add insulation, you're dealing with drywall or plaster. If you extend that wall thickness, now you have window jams and door jams to deal with. They have, have to the wall gets thicker, sure. So it becomes a little bit more of a uh, it's a it's a snowball effect because oh I'm going to add this. Well then I got to change my window jams and I got to redo my <laughs> trim and then I got to re drywall or plaster and paint and sure it and you lose not much but you lose a little room in your room. You know everybody exactly. everybody wants their closet as big as possible. You don't want to give up space. Right. So, yeah, okay. from the outside is the best Attack way it from the outside. Right. Um, right. Good news is I did have my house insulated over a couple right. of months ago, and all of that space all looked great. Everywhere sure. they did the except, work. Except maybe your hat, the hatch going into yeah. the attic. you got to look at that and make sure that insulation is in place and weather stripping around the opening. I think that's what's missing right. is what i got to do. So, All right. Good conversation. We'd love to hear from you, of course. The old National Bank talking text line, 855-616-1620. We will get an answer to Mike's question on the text line when we get back. But now we jump over to the WTMJ Breaking News Center with Mike Spaulding. Good morning, Mike. More of your questions next. It's the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. Good morning to you. Dayton Kane here. David Nason as well. The old National Bank talking text line is 855-616-1620, as you just heard. Thanks for joining us on the Fix-It Show this morning. We do have a text here from Mike. It says, good morning, guys. I always enjoy listening to the show. Thanks, Mike. We appreciate that. Can you tell me the name of the Aaron's dealer? I think it's Olson's, but I'm not sure. I forgot where it's located. Well, yeah, we know where that is. She's yeah. probably coming in this month again. So Soon, yeah. Down yeah. on College. Yeah. And College Avenue. Muskego. Basically, uh, Jane is it Janesville Road? Janesville Road and College, where they kind of branch off. There's a quick trip, a newer quick trip right yeah, there on the yeah. corner, and you go, just go west on College, and right across from Maddie's Bar and Grill. Correct, correct. So just yes, it is Sunny Olson's. Slope. You can find them at Olson'sPower.com. It's O L S O N S Power.com. So good question. They're always fun to have on the show. Looking forward to when they come back. But um, yeah, so you got another um, tool there that I see. So yeah. what are we looking at? That thing's a weird looking item. So this one. Actually, I don't know that I've ever seen something like that. This is called a Tramex um, roof and wall scanner. Okay. So this I use when I'm doing my EFS inspections. Okay. So roof inspect, roof, roofing inspectors, roofing contractors will use these also for flat roofs. It has the ability to, so it's a non-invasive scanner. So okay. if we're just kind of looking for at suspected areas where there's moisture, this can penetrate up to four inches into a surface. Okay. Not any surface. If it's metal or something, it's not going to work. So it's got to be something that's, uh, uh, well, EFS is about an inch thick. So this will penetrate to that. We're looking not for the moisture in the foam. Foam it's not bad if the foam's wet. What we're really wanting to know is what's behind the foam. Is it plywood or OSB? Or sometimes that's installed over a, a gypsum-type product, kind of yeah. like drywall but or dense shield or Duroc or something. We want to know if that's, that's part of the structure. We want to know if that's wet. And so this, this can um, – uh, let me see if I – oh, here, trying to find the button. So when it – you know, so you're hearing it. I'm holding my hand on the sensor pad. 
obviously my hand has some moisture in it, so it'll indicate ah. that there's there's moisture in it. So this one's a little pricey, about fifteen hundred dollars. Okay, but um, that's very handy because sometimes uh, when we're looking for moisture on a, on an eaves, I can't use it on stone, but on an eaves inspection. The only, the only real way to know for sure if there's any moisture is to do a probing inspection. I'll bring that one in sometime. But that's that involves drilling holes into your house. And quite understandably, there's a lot of people, no, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah you're not drilling holes in my house. And really, in my opinion, if I'm needing to drill holes because we're suspecting moisture, the reality is, is that you're probably going to have, if you have EFs on your house and we're at that point, you're probably going to have to be hiring a EFS repair contractor to do some repairs on your house. So the little holes that I'm going to drill are pretty insignificant right. to the the potential problems that you might have. Can can EFS get like really crumbly though? Like because it's an inch foam board and then it's like a, a coating right. almost right. over the top to make it look like stucco. Right. When you drill into that, it doesn't crack. It doesn't fall no. apart. So no. okay. it's it's a minimum three quarter inch foam board. Sometimes it's wider. Okay. So if there's if you're going to have re- decorative reveals cut into it and everything, the foam has to be thicker. So the minimum, when you when you do that reveal, the minimum thickness is three-quarters of an inch. Okay. And the foam, when they attach the foam either uh, mechanically or with an adhesive onto the wall, and then they put a uh, base coat on it. of a, It's kind of like a mortar that's troweled sure. onto the wall, and they put a fiberglass mesh into that embed a mesh into that so that gives it the surface of it reinforcing so that i mean you can damage it but it just a your typical just kind of bumping up against it you're not going to crack the finish got it and then you trowel a finish they call the lamina but when i'm drilling through it i'm using a masonry bit and so really it's just the holes it doesn't it doesn't crack and then when you're done do you patch it so with then something? i yeah okay. I, so i use a there's a requirement for a certain type of sealant it's not a painter's caulk or something. It's not a an inexpensive type of caulk. It has to meet a certain ASTM. So, and then we use that. It's got a silicone base, and so it, it's going to seal up the holes. But again, that's really kind of a temporary thing until you have the repairs done. And there's times when we don't find moisture. It's like, oh, well, okay, we kind of suspected moisture there. Uh, or there can be moisture but as long as the substrate, which is that structure I talked about, right. as long as that's still firm, then you likely there's some caulk that's missing or a detail or flashing that's missing or something that's allowing the moisture in there. Then we just need to fix that, and then the moisture that that substrate should be able to dry. Okay. So um, when the when the when I'm drilling in and I'm literally going right through the plywood and there's no strength or resistance back there. That, then that's a problem. Now that now that surface, that eaves has to come off, and then that plywood or durag, whatever's back there that's damaged is, has to be replaced. You do a lot of inspections. How many homes have this? So it's not very, it's not very common, common in Wisconsin, around right? here. It's a bigger, more common down kind of in the southeast. That's It was introduced from Europe in the, in the 60s, and then down in the southeast it was very popular. And if anybody knows anything about it, it, it initially had some big problems. Uh, so a lot of people are kind of wary of it. It's a great product. Seems like every product has that background. <laughs> right. But it, it, and like every product, it has to be installed correctly. Yeah. And this one has has some details that have to be followed, but it also needs some regular maintenance. 
as I mentioned, the sealants at joints and around windows. Um, and you know for a fact that there are some, certain companies that won't deal with houses that have EFs right. on them because of the history. But I think it has a it is a great product. So we're really around here seeing on on higher end homes. Typically, right. it's a more expensive exterior finish system. So and it's higher, a unique look. So right. if you're looking it's, for that unique look, yeah. some people call it synthetic stucco. It's not so it's not the old cement based stucco, which is really hard when you go up and bang on it, kind of thing. So it, but it has that look from a distance. So like I said, high end homes, most well, not most, a lot of small retail uh, strip malls or businesses will have it as well. Some large uh, commercial buildings will have it as well because it is a great product. We talked, we just talked about insulation yeah. and where to insulate. Well, when you put an inch or two inches of foam on the outside of your building, that's a great way to insulate your building and add energy efficiency. It just, it's one of those things that you have to take care of it. Right. Like everything. There's yes. no such thing as no maintenance, right. as we say. I agree. Old National Bank talking text line 855-616-1620. We do have another text in, and we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. It is a Fix-It Show on WTMJ. Need advice? Call 855-616-1620. Our expert home inspector is here to help. It's the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. David Nason and Dayton Kane here. Thanks you uh, for joining us. 745. We're going to see a high of 36 today, which is hard to believe after what we had yesterday. Uh, 13 currently in Milwaukee. Clouds going to be rolling in later this afternoon. Thanks for joining us. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. And we have a text here that says, new construction, partial exposure, have a four-inch or four-foot section between two windows that is exposed. Right now has foam with a little stucco stuff along the top by the siding. We want to do uh, fascia stoned. Does the foam have to come off to put mesh on and adhere fascia stone directly to the foundation wall or to the loose foam insulation? Okay to lose the foam. Yeah, excellent question. Because because um, on Thursday I went to a, a short luncheon seminar put on by a company here in, in West Dallas. And um, I was invited by somebody, Bingo Emmons, uh, owner of Creative Construction, who does stone veneer repairs and eaves repairs, stucco repairs. He's been doing it forever. Yep. If anybody knows him, like he's pretty well known. But uh, so he said, "Hey, David, you got to come to this." He said, "They're going to be talking about something new." And so this adhered stone veneer is typically installed over, say, a plywood or OSB or this dense glass, which is kind of like drywall. But what they do is they have to put two layers of what's called a vapor barrier, a weather-resistant barrier, actually, a WRB, and then a metal lath, and then they trowel on a base coat of mortar, yep. and then they put the mortar on the stone, and then, then they, they adhere it with like that. So that's the typical installation. That's the way the, the installation guidelines say. So this company, um, DriveIt, is one of the major yep. EFs in, uh, companies in the area. They're putting on this seminar. And they're putting the stone veneer, basically, it looked like over uh, eaves. Hmm. So they didn't finish the eaves, but they had the foam insulation on the wall, like you're, like they're doing the eaves installation. And there's different types of uh, this fiberglass mesh that I mentioned. There's standard mesh, there's interme intermediate mesh, and then there's high-impact mesh. So different places require different types of mesh. Just a general wall on your house or something would be the standard. 
And then the uh, high impact is in the corners or in places where maybe on the side of a, a garage or something where maybe the kids are kicking a, a soccer ball against the house or something or or a lawnmower could shoot a rock or something. So, so you're going to put high impact in certain places. But the intermediate mesh is a thicker mesh. And so what they did is they put the intermediate mesh in that base coat on the on the insulation, the foam insulation, and then they mortared the stone and adhered the stone right to that. Hmm. And Bingo and I were were really kind of like amazed, like that's pretty interesting. We haven't seen that yet. So I don't I don't know that I'm fully on board with that. Yeah, they're all drive it saying yes. So um, I'm I want to see that. I want to see more of that. But in this application here, where this this homeowner's talking about that foam insulation, there is, it was a required. I don't remember how long ago, but building a new home now, the foam, the insul, the part of your foundation that's exposed out of the ground has to have insulation on it. Actually, that insulation goes all the way down to the footing, so that has to come all the way up to where the siding starts. So what we want is the whole exterior of your wall to be insulated. The, the framed walls have insulation in them. And and the box sill where the floor joists are, that's yep. supposed to be insulated. Everybody's doing foam and spray foam these days. And now below that, they put this insulation. It's generally covered in one of three things, either an aluminum coil product, which yeah. gets dented, a vinyl product that rolls out, and that gets cracked in the winter or, or by a lawnmower or a, a weed whacker or something. Or it sounds like he has the stucco uh, material or what you might call parging which is basically just mortar trowled onto it, and that can crack. But what the main reason for that is to protect the insulation from the ultraviolet rays of the sun. Okay. That'll break it down, and it gets damaged and everything. This sounds, what he wants to do, sounds like a great idea. Might have to actually replace the insulation, because if there's stucco on it now, you probably can't get that stucco off the foam to, you know, in order to do this process properly. So you might have to take like a utility knife or something and cut that insulation off and then put new insulation on that's clean and fresh and then go through this process. So I don't think you're going to find the materials for this at a Home Depot or Menards uh, yet at this point. Um, but as I mentioned, if he wanted this to be done, it's a small project and creative construction I yeah. think would and be they somebody. do great work. They do. Um, so they would be somebody to contact. They're in Milwaukee. I don't have the number off the top of my head. They actually are. They have some ads running right now during our show. Yep. I don't know. If I haven't heard one yet, but a uh, really good company. Bingo it is just creativeconstruction.com, too, so is I'm it, pretty sure, yeah. Uh, creative Construction of Wisconsin, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, check them out. And uh, Bingo and his crew, do, I, I recommend them yep. to my customers, and, yep. and if everybody's always pleased at the end of the day with right. their work. So give them a call. Uh, we do have more texts to get to. We will get to them next. It is the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. David and Dayton. One guy knows what the heck he's talking about. We'll let you figure out which one it is. It's the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. Good morning to you, Dayton King, David Nason here, talking about destroying my house. I like it. All right. Just need Uh, a hammer. (laughs) We have one segment here left. Uh, Thanks to Site Unlimited and JMB Construction. And then next hour, Jason Fox from Capital Heating, Cooling, and Electric on with us. So get your 
questions ready for next hour. We have one final one to get here on the text line. It says, good morning in my community, and I think it's every community. Homeowners yeah. are responsible for water pipes from their homes to the mains. Could you please speak about clay pipes? Is there maintenance that can or should be done? Does it help to have a camera threaded down the pipe? If so, how often? How far can you thread a camera? There's all kinds of questions here. So right. let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so... You're right. Everybody does own their sewer lateral from their house out to where it connects to the main, whether it's in the street in their front. Mine goes off to the side, actually, not not to the front. Um, and I know that because mine was broken by a uh, utility company, okay. and, but they came and fixed it. So, okay. uh, so let's see the questions here. What about clay pipes? Yeah, clay pipes were used for many years, so this sounds like this person has an older home. The, the issue there is that clay pipes are were just set basically next to each other. They might have had a little lip where they fit into each other, but the earth moves a little bit, the ground moves a little bit. If there's any trees in the yard, a tree root has probably found a gap in that clay pipe, and tree roots look for water. There's always water running through a, a sewer lateral. So it would be a good idea as far as maintenance. Really the only thing you do is have somebody... You know, Roto Rooter is one. They do that. Uh, there are some plumbing contractors that I know. Can you do that with a clay pipe? Sure. I mean, they, well, so what? What you'd probably first want to do is actually have somebody run a camera in it. I think they asked about yeah. running a camera. So, and I've seen one. I was mentioning. I've seen one run almost 250 feet because it didn't go straight out. It went off and then went on an angle. And so they can they can camera it for quite a ways. The better ones that they have a camera and the camera has a on a GPS, but it's got a sensor on it where they run it out there and they look, oh, we found a problem. Then they can go out in the front yard with a little um, wand kind of thing and not only locate where it is, but know how deep in the ground it is. Okay. So if they have to dig it up, they know how much, how deep they're going to have to dig. And so that helps with cost. So, um, so running a camera through it first would be the best idea to see if there's anything in there. And then they can determine if they can run the the blades through it. If they just gotta uh, get out some roots, or maybe there's a clog. Maybe somebody flushed a diaper or something they should <laughs> not have flushed down there. They might just need to push that through and clear it type type thing. So uh, that and that to that point, you really you gotta watch what you flush down your toilets. Um, how far it can be threaded? That's we talked about. Homeowners that. insurance companies do they cover those? There's a separate rider you can typically, get. Typically, yeah, your basic insurance isn't going to cover that. But but that and but talk also, to your insurance yeah. agent if you're. And concerned. another important point here, because I know it has come up, underground, underfloor plumbing. So anything under your basement floor, under under the ground, that is not part of a home inspection. We don't inspect that. Now I'm running faucets, sinks, showers flushing toilets and everything, and I'm watching to see that everything drains properly, but I'm not looking at the under sure. under the ground piping. So if there's, I do put a comment in my reports regularly that especially older homes, if there's a big tree in the front yard or multiple trees in the front yard, that's something to consider that you really maybe ought to have somebody look at it. How often to look at it really depends on an, on the house. I know there are people who do it once a year. There's a tree in the front yard. They don't want to get rid of the tree. They just have somebody come in and clean the pipe once a year. 
All right, that does it for our number one. Thanks for all the great questions. We would love to hear from you, 855-616-1620. We check into the WTMJ Breaking News Center with Mike Spaulding next, and we get to our number two with Jason Fox from Capital Heating, Cooling, and Electric. This has been the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. Advice and opinions expressed during the program are solely that of the hosts or guests at not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC.